0: Come check out a live taping of the John Keim Report. It's going to take place on Monday, November 18th at City Tap in Loudon 1 out in Ashburn, Virginia. Start time around 8 o'clock. It'll end at 9 p.m. In the show notes, you can find the Eventbrite invitation that you can RSVP to to ensure that you get seats. It's free to show up. And if you can't find the invitation in the show notes, shoot me an email and I'll send you a link directly to you for you to sign up. You can find me at brand. Bram, B R A M, at empiremedia.com, A M P I R E media.com. Bram at empiremedia.com, and we look forward to seeing you on the 18th at City Tap Loudon. Empire.
1: Hello and welcome to my podcast. I know it might seem like there's not much to say after yet another ugly loss, but there are still a few things we need to discuss. So I have Rich Cimini, my counterpart in New York, who covers the Jets for ESPN.com. He joined me to share his insight into not only the development of quarterback Sam Darnold in relation to Dwayne Haskins, but also in three guys who might factor into the Redskins' head coaching search. And then it's time for my five observations, more quarterback talk, one disappointing season for a Redskins receiver. And what the hell keeps going wrong with the defense? But before I get to my conversation with Rich Semini, just a reminder that I'll be at City Tap in Ashburn from 8 to 9 on Monday night. And Bram Weinstein's going to be there. Chef Mel's going to join me. And I am expecting a player or two, either on the phone or in person. I should say an ex-player or two, either on the phone or in person. So come on out. Talk to us. Ask whatever Redskins questions you want to know. And we'll try to give you as many answers as we can it's a therapy thursday session on a monday how about that and now here's my conversation with rich Samini. right now i'm with my espn counterpart in new york clubs the jets rich Samini. Rich has seen a lot of bad football like I have, but I think right now I'm taking the yeah. cake here, Rich, and Rich has covered the Jets for 31 years. He's got me beat there, so we have combined have seen a lot of bad football. And it's mm-hmm. been – today It was it's kind of brutal to cover these teams, don't you think?
2: Well, the Redskins played today on offense the way the Jets have been playing earlier in the year. I mean, uh, the Jets somehow have fi- found something going on offense. Of course, they've been playing bad teams the last two weeks with the Giants and Redskins, but – you know, I've seen what you're going through because yeah. it's a young quarterback. The Jets went through it last year with Darnold, and to some extent they're still going through it. Not not quite as severe as Dwayne Haskins' growing pains right. are. But, you know, I've, I've seen it, John. I've seen it too. And that's what I was
1: going to ask you because you did see this last year and you saw Haskins Sunday. What did you see in comparison to what you saw? Now, Donald was a different guy coming out, but what did you see in comparison to where Donald was at last year? Yeah. Remember, this is Haskins' second start.
2: Yeah, I mean he's way behind, and and Sam played more in college than Dwayne Haskins right. did, so he had a little bit of an edge there. But you know, to be quite honest with you, if you go back only four weeks ago, Sam Darnold was was a mess. I mean, he was awful in the in the night game, the Monday night game against the he Patriots. Was the famous, we call it the ghost game now, where he was mic'd up and said, I'm seeing ghosts. And then he played lousy the following week. So it looked like a total regression. And he's rallied himself. But, you know, Sam was just... A little more polished. I think Sam can make more extend plays better than Definitely Haskins. Plays yeah, play. he showed that on Sunday, and I think even as a rookie, when things broke down, he could go off the script a little better than Haskins. Haskins doesn't move that well, no. and, uh, and he's, he's a more
1: athletic than people give him credit for. It, but he's not what I would consider a mobile quarterback. Yeah. and I think some of that is the experience in the pocket. Even though he's a pocket passer, I think some of that awareness of when to escape and how still something he's getting used to. And you yeah, see that with Donald. You see him having those instincts for that.
2: And it makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, and I don't think that can be coached either. I think no, instincts, I, I think you either have it or you don't. And, and Sam has always had it. Now, sometimes it gets him into trouble because he'll try to make a play when it's not there because he's relying on this improv ability and it gets him to trouble. But uh, sometimes it really works. And so I do think he has those instincts.
1: Do you think that with, you know, because Greg Williams has the um, reputation of sending a lot of pressure. And we talked about earlier, before we got to start doing this, that they didn't blitz as much as maybe some people think. But if, I think in the re, in Haskins's mind, that they probably blitzed more than he even realized. He almost feels like he was getting inside their head with a little bit of some maybe phantom pressure almost.
2: Absolutely. And then from talking to some of the Jet defensive players after the game, that's what they said. They said they wanted to show him looks uh, where it looked like a certain play, and where they had a run a play earlier in the game, show him the same exact look, but then do a different play. So it, they were playing with his head, basically. Right. I mean, he's a guy who's just played very little football, and they were playing with his head. I think, I, according to our next gen stats people, they only sent extra pressure on about seven out of 40 dropbacks, which Surprise. was very on yeah. Williams like. But I think he did it with coverage and, and simulated pressure.
1: And, that, and that's where I think he's got to get used to. And that's where the other thing was going to be with Darnold, because he does have this capability. But in terms of, like, his ability to read coverages and do all that, where do you feel he's at and how long has it taken him to get to this point?
2: Yeah, I still don't think he's there yet because he does. I mean, he made one horrible throw in the game, yeah. that interception, where he just sort of thrown it away. So he is prone to those, you know, what did he just do moments. You know, he still has that. DNA in him, but uh, you know, he's, I think he is better at uh, finding his checkdowns. He's been doing that a little bit more in recent weeks. Instead of forcing it downfield, I think he's Trying to look for his backs and he's been thrown to his tight ends more. This, this was like unheard of. You know, yeah, two, two touchdowns. When, for they're Jets, kind open, of, when they're wide open. When they're wide open, you kinda of have to throw Yeah, a away. little help from some busted coverages by Washington, but I think those are some areas where he's improved. The other
1: thing I wanted to have Rich on for is because he's covered guys who I think are gonna be factors in the Redskins head coaching search. One guy was Todd Bowles. I think he's a guy that certainly any team with an opening next year was probably yeah. gonna consider. What was your what did you what do you take what would you take away from your experience with Todd? Uh,
2: Todd, Todd is a great guy. I mean, Reds, Redskin fans know him. You know, he was a good player for them many years ago. As a solid a person as you will ever meet, a very a good players' coach. The players respect him. Uh, people
1: always worry when they hear that that think that it means those are their buddy. But I think players like guys who help them.
2: Yeah, they because he was there. I think there's a certain amount of respect factor because he he was one of them. Right i think at times todd got a little too loose and didn't okay. run as tight a ship as he could right. and i i think it would be great if i'm sure he'll get an interview he's very very close with doug williams and the thing about todd i think that would be a tough sell to the fan base i mean you can't really hire a coach as, as much as he might be beloved among the fan i mean his record in new york was awful it was and awful
1: and if he's running too loose if there's a reputation running a looser ship yeah Coming off of what's gone on here the last couple of years, yeah, I don't think that's what.
2: That's a tough sell. I mean, the fa- I mean, fans want a winner, and, and I'm not saying Todd's not a winner, but his record in New York was really bad.
1: What what else like about him as a coach that you know I, I have heard good things about him as a person from multiple people, but as a coach, what was the positive that you took? Like, what was something that you liked that he did?
2: Yeah, you know, he's really consistent. You know, he would never change win or loss. Same guy. The te- the players always told me that he didn't BS them. You know, he would just give it to him straight. I think they respected that. Uh, you know, not a fiery, not a rah-rah guy. I think the fans will have maybe a hard time embracing him because his press conferences are so dreadfully boring. And and I think fans want a little juice. And they Todd it after this year. Yeah, Todd doesn't bring the juice. So... He's as, as solid a football man as you're going to find, but like I said, I don't know if he brings that, that pizzazz factor. Well,
1: i got two other guys who he's start with. Let's go to yeah. pizzazz, one of which is Greg Williams, who coached here. And I do believe, I mean, he has stayed in contact with Dan Snyder, so I do believe that he's going to be at least – a consideration here so when you now, i've covered him redskins fans know him yeah but they haven't seen him in a while so what's your experience been like with him this year well i like can the, tell
2: you he's doing a really good job this year their defense has been really hurt by him their best player has been basically out all year cj mosley so today in sunday's game he he started two backup inside linebackers and a pair of third string cornerbacks and so he's done a fantastic job of keeping it together. Has it been perfect? No. They're great against the run. Uh, the players like him a lot because he's really aggressive. He, he dials up blitzes. He's got a charisma, and you know you were around yeah, him. And he's, got, he's got a little it factor going for him. And he, I think he badly wants to be a head coach. And I, he won't admit it, but I think he was hurt last year because he did a good job in Cleveland he did. as the interim, and they bounced him and i think he's got something to prove. He also
1: can rub guys a certain way. I think there's there's some people that i know here who still really like him. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who who he rubs the wrong way. Yeah. Has he have you heard any of that there with him?
2: Well, we all expected it to be like World War 3 between Gase and, and Greg Williams, you know, two really stubborn ego-driven coaches. We thought they would clash for sure. Now, if they have, i don't know about it. We haven't seen anything, heard anything. Uh, the one thing I don't—I wonder if Greg has a good feel for the whole team, you know, because right. he's been. You know, I wonder what's he going to do on offense. And the other concern is, like, I wonder if guys would tune him out after like a couple of years, like a that year or two, be, because his—he comes on strong, you he know, he really comes he on goes. strong, too strong, as we found out in New Orleans with the the bounty gate, but. I think that might get tuned out or wear thin after a year or so.
1: And that's the thing, because the other thing, the last thing on him is they—he does get his guys to play with a little bit of a swagger. Have yeah. you seen that with this defense? Oh, uh, totally.
2: They play to—they play on edge. He play like he tells the guys, you know, we play to the echo of the whistle. So I mean, it's it's borderline. I mean, <laughs> some some guys. I've imp- I heard that. <laughs> yeah. Next. Some guys embrace it. I mean, Jamal Adams is having a really good year because they're letting him attack at the line of scrimmage. And he's got six sacks in the last two games or five. And uh, so some guys embrace it. But uh, and his meetings, players tell me are like super intense. Like you cannot doze off for a second. So, I just wonder about the shelf life, though. I think there's an expiration to it. I, I on definitely that.
1: think that. I do think that if you need an injection of something like that, that yeah. that's the kind of guy you get. Last one, he's been out, he's on TV now, but Rex Ryan, and he said on TV, anybody would consider a job like this.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what what do you think? Rex about has that? a lot
2: of similarities to, to Greg Williams. And yeah. it's interesting because Greg Williams' mentor is Buddy yeah. Ryan, you know, right. Rex's dad. And so, you know, I think Rex. Can be a good head coach. I mean, he obviously he won four playoff games right. on the road with the Jets, you know. And I think he can be a good coach if if he just if he's learned some things in Buffalo. He just came in there too strong, like guaranteeing this and that, right. and it just blew up on him. Uh, and he also has a blind spot for offense. You know, I have saw it firsthand. He doesn't look at the game through two lenses. He just looks through it a de- defensive lens. So I'd worry about that. But if you're talking about getting a team to believe and getting a fan base excited, then he's the guy.
1: And we'll see because I think I think, it, I think those guys, all three, will at least be mentioned, I'm sure, at yeah. some point. So that's why. But I I have a feeling that Greg might be more of a factor than the other two. But yeah. I, I, that's just guessing right now. Yeah, so I,
2: I think they should all be interviewed because they all bring something different. And uh, But if you're looking for energy Uh, you know, Rex would probably have the edge there. All right, Rich. Thanks a lot for joining me, man. You bet, John.
1: After this break, I'll be back with my five observations, including some thoughts on the quarterback position. All right, folks, now it's time for my five observations after another pretty miserable day here with the Redskins. Number one, Dwayne Haskins was caught in an exchange with his offensive lineman late in the game by NBC Channel 4 cameras, asking them basically, what do I have to do to help you? If you haven't seen this, it's on their Twitter feed. Go back and look at it. It's hard to know what to make of it, by my, but one of my takeaways is that here's a young kid who, who seems to care and who's getting little feedback from his line mates. I saw Morgan Moses offering something, couldn't tell what he was saying, but it didn't seem like anyone else had much to say or much interest in saying anything. Maybe they were just beaten down. It was late in the game. It was another ugly day for those guys. For Haskins, this is only his second start and therefore his enthusiasm remains high. For the linemen, they've been through the ringer this season, but with youth should come energy and I'd like to see Haskins do more of this. He's a pretty, he's a relatively quiet guy doesn't have this huge presence when he walks in the room, has it because of his size, not because of his personality necessarily. And some, I, I did talk to some people who wondered about his leadership skills a while back. He can be reserved, but i like to see that fire. And it's going to take a lot more than fire to get this going, but I didn't like that the linemen appeared disengaged at this moment. I don't know why I wasn't able to talk to them about a lot of this, so I don't know what was going through their minds. And I didn't see this video until after I got back from the locker room, so it was hard for me to even, even look or talk much to them about it. But perhaps they were just annoyed by the sacks taking place that maybe they felt shouldn't have been taking place. I don't know. But it wasn't the best look overall. Number two, as Rich and I talked earlier in the podcast, it's not as if the Jets were sending a lot of blitzes. They weren't. When they did send an extra rusher, Haskins completed just two of six passes for four yards, he did have a touchdown in there. But what they were doing at times was they were doing a good job of bringing guys off the edge. So they'd show Jamal Adams one side and bring guys the other way. So it made it hard for Washington to know which way to slide the protection at times. That was a huge issue and that led to some quick hurries. And that's why I'm surprised the Redskins didn't use more of the quick game passing in the first half. They needed to get Haskins into a rhythm and I thought this was going to be part of the early game plan. I talked to one offensive player afterward who said he thought that was going to be the case as well. It really wasn't. Greg Williams does a good job as a defensive coordinator of changing the coverages after the snap. He did that a few times today, and I think that's all it takes to cause a rookie passer to hesitate. That plus some of those protection looks made it a very difficult day for the guys up front and for Haskins. It's natural, Haskins just isn't at a point where he's ready to battle with a coordinator like Williams even when that team has a week in secondary. And I also am curious with these game plans, some of the the, um, discussions taking place between Kevin O'Connell and Bill Callahan. They definitely come at this game from a different perspective. And right now I think Callahan's wishes are winning out. So I'll be curious to see if this changes at all going forward. Number three, the Redskins just don't have the playmakers to help Haskins out. They know this. That's going to be a major emphasis in the offseason of getting more players on offense to help. shoot. They I don't they don't have playmakers to help a lot of quarterbacks out, let alone a rookie quarterback whom they felt would take a long time. And that's the problem with play, that's one of the problems with playing him right now. They know this. He's he's in a really bad spot here. That's why when I look at his progress, it's going to be about things other than just final results. It's got to be about being how the the approach you're taking responding to adversity leadership in the in how you're handling the huddle and then how you're progressing with your reads all that's going to be important but the results may not always be there because the talent just isn't there to help him out and not saying it's their fault he's not help he's not able to help them out either and that's the other problem so they're both they're all at a point where the receivers are young they need a veteran quarterback the, re- the quarterback is young. He needs some guys who are who are going to help him more at receiver. It's a very tough mix right now. So and you know, there was one point I'm watching the game, you're looking out, out there, it's, it's Jeremy Sprinkle, Kelvin Harmon, Wendell Smallwood. Not a single one of them expected to be a big part of the pass game at the start of the season. Now all are out there on some key downs. Of those three, I can see Harmon developing into something for the future, but the ceiling I don't think is, is it's not real high, but he's a guy who can help in the future. It's also obvious that Trey Quinn, while a nice story, Mr. Irrelevant, is not necessarily the – I wouldn't say is it not a good fit with Haskins right now, but I think that it's, it's been a tough spot there at that, at that position. It's not that he's bad. It's that Haskins needs someone, again, who can create more separation than Quinn has been doing. And I think, I think the Redskins internally felt that Quinn would be doing would be more productive than he's been. Um, it's, he's not doing as well as I think they had hoped. It's not just that they miss Jamison Crowder. They do. We saw more what Crowder could do today. But his loss would have been mitigated had the tight end group not been depleted or if Chris Thompson had been playing. And I already can hear what you're saying. Yes, all that was easy to predict what, that all that would have happened. Still, they need more from the slot. and So I'll be curious again to see how that is handled moving forward. They're gonna keep playing Quinn. I think he's, his ability to run routes at different spots is, is, no, is, is helpful. And I think they want to get Steven Sims a little bit more time. The issue with Sims early in the year, from my understanding, was that it was taking him time to learn the offense. Kind of an important thing to do. So let's see what happens going forward. He did play more today, but um, they need more. I mean, for what it's worth, on the interception that Haskins, when he was targeting Quinn, I think ha- well, Haskins anticipated Quinn sliding back to his right on the play. He was trying to lead him away from the inside defender on the thrill. Quinn stopped. I'm not blaming Quinn because I don't know what he was thinking on that play. So, but I'm just pointing out what happened, what I saw, and what I heard. It's part of the process of those two getting on the so-called same page. I do think that Quinn would have been, just like everybody else here, man, the trickle-down effect from some of these injuries, um, it, it's been huge. But I think the Jordan Reed absence, and again, easy to predict, I know, but that absence has really it, it has the trickle-down effect of other guys getting either being put in spots where they need to come through or maybe they, you can't do certain things to help create more openings for them. So that's, that's been tough for them. Number four. I really don't know what else to say about the defense, man, other than they just aren't very good. It's the coverage mishaps that keep happening that is tough to handle. There were so many breakdowns. And when it keeps happening, it's obviously not just on the players. It's up to the coaches to then change something to help. There are a few guys who bust more often than others. Fabian Rowe, Josh Norman. i seen Jimmy Moreland have a few. He's a rookie. You would expect that. Look around the league, and you'll see other good defenses have these coverage breaks at times too. That's what the modern that's what these offenses now do best. They force defenses to communicate last second by sending motions late and changing the structure and the rules of the defense. That means you better communicate well. Listen, I've seen every defense out there when they're running some stack formation, some bunch, if you don't communicate on some of those motions and you don't have the rules down right now, and you don't have those. And I was talking to one of the Redskins defensive players after the game. He's like, this is the stuff that you get during the week. So you communicate during the week so that way when you get to Sunday, what you see on the field is exactly the situation you talked about on Wednesday or Thursday night when you're watching film together. Because it's got to go beyond the meeting room, it's got to be something that happens away from the facility. And I don't know that that happens enough here. Um, it has. There are times in the past it did, but that's when the communication begins. It's not just in the game saying it because you've got to see it during the week so that way you're all on the same page when you see it on Sunday. We've heard for years now how they need to communicate better, and it doesn't happen. Part of it is playing young guys. It's certainly not all of it. And Norman, of course, is not young. I'm not going to blame him for everything. I think he gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't his fault, but he definitely deserves a lot of the blame too. On one play, the Jets caught the Redskins in a tough coverage, and they had the perfect play. A pass to tight end Ryan Griffin in the left corner. The coverage was, the coverage was, it were, the play was a perfect play against that coverage. Um, I was looking, going back and looking at that play. Some guys were, they were, looked to be in their right spots, but clearly someone screwed up. Um, but I do think that was a good play call. But most of the time, there were guys just breaking open because somebody botched the coverage and that's that's terrible. Listen, Ryan Griffin had over 100 yards receiving today. He'd never he had 160 yards for the season coming into this game. He'd never had more than 85 yards receiving in his career which dates back to two, excuse me, to 2013. So this is not we're not talking kittles here. Okay? This wasn't Rob Gronkowski. This is Ryan Griffin and the Redskins couldn't cover him because they kept breaking. That's coaching, that's personnel, and folks, god darn it, that's enough. Number 5 The Redskins have wanted to build a certain culture and we all know that's been an issue here. But I'm talking about the locker room culture only right now. That can be separate from what's going on in the upper levels of the building and the atmosphere overall. And in 2015 with the same characters in place at the top, the Redskins locker room was a good place. Guys like Will Blackman, Will Compton, those mid-level guys were very key and instrumental in helping establish a certain culture in that locker room. Guys who were there loved it, so it can happen even in this setup. But the odd thing is they have drafted a lot of guys from big time winning programs. Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, heck, Moreland one at JMU. It hasn't mattered. I still like drafting guys from places that are used to winning. I do think that's important, but it also shows you how much more you have to do to create a good situation. They do have guys with good football character, but they absolutely need are more strong leaders and, of course, more playmakers. And I don't care where those guys come from. Folks, that's all I got for now. A big thank you to Rich Cimini from ESPN.com. He covers the Jets for joining me. Felt like he gave gave me and you some good insight into certain coaches who might be on the Redskins' radar and what it's like covering a young quarterback or watching a young quarterback in comparison to what we're seeing with Dwayne Haskins. And as always, thank you for listening. And just a reminder, Monday night, at City Tap in Ashburn from 8 to 9. I'll be there. It'll be the start of a Therapy Thursday session. Um, I'm hoping that Chris Cooley is going to join me, whether in person or on the phone. Um, So maybe another guest or two that you guys can listen to, and it's going to be a really good chance for you to ask some questions. So come on out and join me. And again, thank you for tuning in.
0: Hey, come check out a live taping of the John Kime Report. It's going to take place on Monday, November 18th, at City Tap in Loudon One out in Ashburn, Virginia. Start time around 8 o'clock. It'll end at 9 p.m. In the show notes, you can find the Eventbrite invitation that you can RSVP to to ensure that you get seats. It's free to show up. And if you can't find the invitation in the show notes, shoot me an email and I'll send you a link directly to you for you to sign up. You can find me at Bram, B R A M, at empiremedia.com. A M. P I R E media.com Bram at empire And we look forward to seeing you on the 18th at city tap Loudon.